God's warnings to those who indulge in sexual immorality should be enough to convince us that the only reasonable course of action is a wholehearted pursuit of purity. And maybe you agree. Ah, but where do you draw the line when it comes to purity? Actually, the better question is this. Where does God draw the line? When we're asking the question, what's wrong with or is this wrong, we're actually coming at it from the wrong perspective to begin with. We need to ask ourselves what's right with or what's beneficial, what's edifying, what's glorifying to God about this. And that will lead us to a whole different (laughs) uh, level of what's acceptable and what's not. On today's show, Pastor Ed Book joins us for another Ask the Counselor edition of Purity for Life as we tackle the often debated question, is masturbation a sin? Thanks for listening. Stay with us. Pastor Ed, you've been at Pure Life for over 17 years, and so you've been in many Thursday night services where our students are um, giving a speech about what the Lord did at Pure Life Ministries. Um, And always one of the elements in those speeches is explaining how they were exposed to sin, how that sin progressed over the years and gained a real stronghold in their lives. Um, Just recollecting all of those speeches, you know, how often would you say that masturbation was a really significant contributor to that progression? Yeah, that's a great question, Nate, uh, because, you know, yeah, in the the time that I've been here, that 17 years uh, plus, I've had the privilege of watching, I would say, at least 1,500 men graduate from the residential program. And, uh, you know, as you kind of alluded to each graduation, the man gets up and shares a brief testimony of how the Lord changed his life while he was here. And, you know, it's true, the details of his story uh, varies from person to person for sure. But there's a couple things that seem to always be there in common. And one of them is that he was a prideful, self-absorbed man prior to coming to Pure Life Ministries, inevitably giving himself over to his sin, taken captive by the enemy to do his will, as Paul would put it uh, in his letter to Timothy. And I think it's also uh, true that without exception, uh, each graduate acknowledges developing a habit of masturbation, a a habit that literally for most of them starts around age 11 or 12, it seems. And of of course, masturbation goes hand in hand with fantasy. And so they almost always find themselves indulging in pornography to feed their lust. And before they know it, they've been led down that spiral of degradation, which Pastor Steve writes about in At the Altar of sexual idolatry, Mm -hmm. and it's right out of Romans 1, just to be clear about that. You know, it's uh, uh, just those seven steps down into deeper and deeper sin and and indulging in it. And when you go down that spiral, as they talk about it, it's not just indulging in it more frequently, but it's also going deeper into different types of pornography or pursuing other sexual behaviors even, uh, and ultimately crossing lines, taking risks or doing things that they were certain at one point they would never do, you know, never imagined themselves crossing that line because sexual lust has dominion over them in their life. And so, you know, Nate, I was actually a drug and alcohol counselor for a number of years in a a different life. (laughs) And, uh, 
And uh, I liken it to this way, uh, just like a person's meth addiction uh, likely began with gateway drugs like cigarettes, alcohol, marijuana, that sort of thing. Uh, masturbation is to me a gateway to all the other types of sexual perversion and addiction out there. Okay, we're going to get back to Pastor Ed's interview in a minute, but I thought that it would be helpful to sidestep really quick and talk briefly about the spiral of degradation that Pastor Ed mentioned, because this is really a key part of the conversation. All sin is progressive by nature, and to imagine that someone can have an ongoing habit of masturbation without experiencing that progression is really foolish. We're going to play a piece of audio from one of our recent podcasts where Counselor Ken Larkin took us through verses in Romans 1 to show the specific steps down that spiral. There's basically seven steps. The first step is basically a failure to reverence and give gratitude to yeah. God. In mm -hmm. verse 21, it says they did not honor or glorify him as God or give thanks. And then the second step is the darkening heart. Uh, verses 22 and 23, it says, professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. Mm. And you can see where this is going here with the whole idea of pornography and sexual yeah. sin. The third step is the suppression of truth. Uh, verse 25 says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Mm. And then as you're going down that spiral, the next step would be given over to the lusts of the heart. Verse 24 says, therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity. And then a further given over, step five is given over again. And it says in verse 26, God gave them over to degrading passions. And then further on down the spiral in number six is the depraved mind. Hmm. And again, it says in verse 28, God gave them over to a depraved mind. Mm. And then it culminates with filled with all unrighteousness. Verse 29 to the end of the chapter, it says being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, and just this whole category of just giving over to a lifestyle of fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the sinful mind. All right, let's get back to the interview with Pastor Ed. You know, I looked online, and there's a lot of people asking the question, is masturbation really sinful? I think I noticed a question on Quora. Um, there's, there's blog articles about it. And without fail, somebody is going to chime in in the comments section and say, hey, listen, masturbation is not specifically mentioned in the Bible. And so usually the conclusion is that it must not be a black and white issue. So people can just take from that that uh, there's a license to do it. You know, that would almost make sense maybe if we're talking about something fairly trivial. There might be like some leeway to go either way. But when you're talking about something as weighty as sex mm -hmm. and the glories that are attached to it, yeah. Anytime you've got something that's incredibly glorious, it also has the potential to be incredibly destructive. And I think that the more glorious something mm -hmm. can be, the more destructive it will end up being if it's not handled with a lot of reverence. Yeah. 
my own testimony, by the way, is that, you know, in my teens, I read in a Christian magazine. There was a, a Q&A column in there and people had written in and this topic had been brought up and the response that was given in that uh, magazine was, you know, the Bible didn't really mention it and uh, there were a couple other points. But the bottom line was it's not that big a deal. Don't don't worry about it. You know, everybody's doing it sort of thing was what was wow. uh, presented there. Yeah. And I bought into that partly because it was what I wanted to hear. Of course, yeah. <laughs> naturally. But, you know, now that I'm a counselor on the other side of all of this and having come through my own sexual addiction and having to walk that out for a number of years, um, you know, like you mentioned, it's definitely true that masturbation isn't specifically mentioned in the Bible. And, you know, so for some that translates into license to indulge in the behavior. But, you know, I would just also maybe point out, first of all, uh, child molestation, pedophilia, isn't mentioned specifically in Scripture either. <laughs> but, mm. it, you know, if so we're already on pretty shaky ground if that's the kind of logic or rationale we're going to use to defend behavior uh, because that's not really the Scripture's uh, perspective on things. is isn't a list of do's and don'ts uh, spelled out specifically for each generation <laughs> yeah. to consider. Yeah, and so it's almost like if a child is messing around with something very valuable that his father has and some kid says, do you think we should be touching that? And, you know, and he says, well, my father never explicitly said I can't. Right. You know, there's, there's something irreverent about, about that line of thinking. Yeah. And then you see the destruction. You know, this has incredible potential for destruction. Mm-hmm. So for people to just treat it flippantly like, well, God didn't say anything about it, so I guess it's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a wrong perspective for decision-making mm-hmm. as far as what's right and what's wrong. You know, the, in Corinthians, Paul talks about uh, the things uh, that are not illegal for us, but they're not necessarily beneficial. And he Mm -hmm. uses that kind of language two different places in that epistle. And, you know, I think that's what we really need to deal with is is when we're asking the question, what's wrong with or is this wrong, we're actually coming at it from the wrong perspective Mm. to begin with. We need to ask ourselves what's right with or what's beneficial, what's edifying, what's glorifying to God about this. And that will lead us to a whole different <laughs> uh, level of what's acceptable and what's not. Hmm. Well, I'm I'm glad you kind of framed it that way because um, some people have come right out and said, "Well, this is a biological need, just like going to the bathroom or eating." And so, for me to not masturbate is going to be harmful. And Jesus certainly wouldn't want me to. Um, harm myself, he wouldn't want me to say, well, I have to deny myself, so I'm not going to go to the bathroom, Uh, you know? (laughs) So have you heard people talk like that, and how do you respond to that? Yeah, that's that's a good point, Nate. I've I've actually had a few people bring that kind of line of questioning to me, Uh, and honestly, it's probably been very few because by the time people typically are talking to me, they've gone pretty far down into that spiral of degradation, and they're no longer really trying to justify their sin. They've experienced firsthand exactly where it leads them and how it's taken them captive, and they just want to know, how do I get out of this? How do I get free from this? But, you know, here's the thing, Nate, is that even those who wouldn't necessarily articulate that kind of an argument or justification for it, they've often bought into the underlying premise there. And there are many 
people who treat sex as a need, which is that underlying premise there. Uh, so let me just say it very clearly. Sex is not a need. We don't need sex to live and prosper and fulfill the purposes for which we were created. Uh, we don't. Sex is not a need. It's a desire. And of course, we know that this desire can seem pretty compelling at times. Uh, but you know, professionals, those who uh, medically study these sorts of things, you know, they recognize that an individual's sex drive will peak in uh, roughly five to ten days after his last release, uh, sexually speaking. And then after that peak period of five to – there's a five to ten day, you know, that window there. Uh, after that, it dissipates into a much more manageable level. And I think, Nate, one of the real problems is that people typically will not fight through that intense period of temptation. They buy into the lie that gives over is inevitable. I'm going to, you know, I might as well get it over with. Uh, and the temporary pleasure seems so compelling while the consequences seem so small and insignificant and distant from them that they invariably just go ahead and masturbate. And, and then the cycle starts all over again. And they never really experience any freedom from that. But, you know, scripturally, we have a lot of verses, a lot of passages where we're taught how to deal with our carnal and fleshly desires, and it's always by starving them, cutting them, putting them to death. You know, for example, Ephesians 4.22 says to put off the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And in Colossians 3.5, it says to put to death fornication, uncleanness, passion, and evil desires. We're to put them to death. And Romans 13.14 says uh, that we're to make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So, and you could go on and on, really. There are just almost countless passages that, that say things like that to us about our carnal fleshly desires. So we have a lot of clear biblical teaching on how to deal with our lust and no where does the Bible give us permission to simply abandon ourselves over to it? Essentially, we're taught to turn to the Lord and by the power of his Holy Spirit working in us, develop self-discipline, develop self-control, those fruits of the Spirit. And, you know, the bottom line is we must rule our desires and not let our desires rule us. Mm. And, and God has made provision for that for each of us. Yeah, yeah. As you know, I'm just thinking about a time when Satan came to Jesus and tempted him along the lines of, you need this. Mm -hmm. You know, when he said, turn these stones into bread if you're the son of God. You know, you need this. Right. And it just, it has that feel that this could definitely be one of those slippery, satanic suggestions that if you don't, if you're not careful, you're going to buy right into it and mm -hmm. suffer. Yeah, and and of course we buy right into it because it's really what we want. We we want to experience that pleasure and not have the guilt <laughs> that comes mm -hmm. with it, if mm -hmm. at all possible. You know, I think that one of the reasons that people probably advocate for a controlled habit of masturbation. So they're, they don't want people just going way off the handle, but if you can just control it every once in a while when you feel like you really need it, you know, they, 
they think that probably that would keep people from worse forms of sexual sin or at least people don't have to go through that period of intense temptation constantly. Um, what's the value, though, of saying no to masturbation? Yeah, that's a, a, an excellent question that you're raising here, Nate, because that perspective of having some sort of controlled masturbation habit, I'll call it for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. it really ignores the heart issues connected to masturbation. And so to me, it boils down to this, Nate, that by nature, we're all takers. We tend to look at life and people with an attitude of what's in it for me. And in fact, that can easily uh, define what lust is. It's seeking pleasure for self at the expense of others. And that's why masturbation is so natural, so easy for us to rationalize, so common even. But like I said earlier, masturbation is having sex with yourself. It's the pinnacle of selfishness. We're taking something that God designed to foster intimacy and oneness and we're using it completely selfishly. I'm becoming one with myself. And that kind of selfishness has no place in the kingdom of God. The truth is that that kind of selfishness makes us enemies of God. But you know, Nate, there is hope. <laughs> you know, the Lord can change our hearts. If we're willing, God can change us from being a taker into a giver. And he can change us from being a man who lusts to being a man who loves, which is completely different. You know, I'm thinking of the words of Jesus where he said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then he says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And that love there is the opposite of lust. Lust is seeking pleasure for self at the expense of others, but love seeks pleasure for others at the expense of self. And so if you're a man or, or a woman struggling with a habit of masturbation today, here's the question I would say the Lord is asking you. Do you want to keep enjoying the sinful pleasure of having sex with yourself, or do you want to become a great lover? If you'll learn to deny yourself when it comes to engaging in masturbation, Jesus can and will make you a great lover. I'm going to break in just one more time here. We do have a little more of Pastor Ed's interview left, but I want to play for you one of those 1,500 graduate testimonies that Pastor Ed was talking about because it really illustrates some of what we've been discussing in this episode. I was born and raised in a Christian family, and I remember making my confession of faith when I was confirmed at the age of 13. I discovered self-gratification as early as 10 years of age. Though I grew up a clean-cut kid and said no to drinking, experimenting with drugs, and smoking, my answer seemed to always be an enthusiastic yes when it came to my sexuality. My ultimate enslavement to hardcore pornography was a very slow and nearly unnoticeable process and did not really accelerate until I started attending college. I dreaded feeling pain of any kind. Before I knew it, I was totally consumed by and indulging in self-gratification and hardcore pornography. I was totally clueless about the progressive nature 
of pornography. I thought seminary would be a good place to determine God's specific will for my life. I would go without self-gratification as I prepared sermons and wrote theological papers for my classes, only to use pornography as a reward for coping with the pressures of seminary life. Unfortunately, rewarding myself in this way became more frequent and I soon came to the realization that I was living a double life. Predictably, the consequences were self-destructive. I suffered from severe depression. I was trapped in a pattern of searching for work, finding opportunity, only to have my life collapse again. I was hospitalized five different times for suicide ideation, attempted to end my life two times by overdose, terminated from two of the best jobs I ever had, and I was miserable and I hated my life. I wanted to be free. From the moment I arrived at Pure Life, I daily cried out to God to show me the truth about myself, and he quickly revealed that sexual immorality was merely the surface of my life-dominating sin. Each successive month revealed that I was a Pharisee. On the outside, working hard to present the image of a godly man, but on the inside, filled with coveting lust and ingratitude, entangled in a judgmental and critical spirit, drowning in a slimy pit of anger, bitterness, and selfishness, and crushed by spiritual pride. In my six-month year, this breaking process led me to the chapel where I got on my knees before the Lord confessing my sins and asking Jesus to forgive me for my disobedience before a holy God. Throughout my time here, I have had to learn what true repentance really is. As Pastor Ed has said, turning my eyes, my feet, and my heart away from sin and towards God. I have learned that I must diligently cultivate a lifestyle of praise, prayer, worship, and faithful devotion to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, overflowing with joy and gratitude for the tremendous blessings and transformation purchased by the victorious blood of Christ. Perhaps the greatest mercy God showed me was to cross my will in every way imaginable through my assignment to chop and spin boxes of romaine lettuce at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I am so thankful for how Jesus used this job to burn off my self-life and bring me to the end of myself. This masterful crushing of my self-life allowed the Lord to rescue, deliver, and heal me from all my idols and all my impurities while giving me a new heart of flesh, a new spirit, and mercifully move me to follow his commands. The precious Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world 
has astonished me by setting me free. All right, so let's get to the last part of Pastor Ed's interview. Earlier in the episode, we were talking about how many people argue that because masturbation is not explicitly prohibited in the Bible, that it must be acceptable in God's eyes, or at least not a black and white issue. And Pastor Ed, you said something very wise, which was that asking what's wrong with blank, you know, we can fill in the issue, that that's actually coming at it from the wrong angle, because God is not interested in giving us a comprehensive list of acceptable or unacceptable actions. He's trying to foster in us a heart that longs to please him. And so we have to come to the place where we approach issues, not looking to get away with whatever we can that pleases us, but to sincerely ask, what pleases God? So, Pastor Ed, how do we learn what pleases God, or how does the Bible teach us to do that? What the Bible teaches us is to look at the heart issues, the underlying uh, heart issues behind the behavior. And at the heart level, masturbation conflicts with several biblical principles. You know, I kind of already alluded to one of those, that masturbation goes hand in hand with lust. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, many are familiar with Jesus's statement in Matthew five twenty-eight, where he said, I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. But, you know, to me, Jesus's words there leave no room for the fantasies that feed lust and masturbation then. Uh, and, And I think we should acknowledge the truth here. It's virtually impossible to masturbate without fantasizing. And those who try to say otherwise, I really believe are simply deceiving themselves. Uh, Certainly by the time masturbation is a habitual behavior, there is fantasy being indulged alongside of it. And so what happens, what really happens, in fact, is that, you know, a person eventually needs something more to feed their lust and in order to achieve the same level of sexual satisfaction out of it. So uh, and that's why if someone continues their habit of masturbation long enough, it almost always is going to lead into deeper involvement in pornography Mm -hmm. or some other illicit sexual activity. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's really important to come to grips with this because we want to look at this in a vacuum and ask, well, what's wrong with the physical act of touching myself for sexual pleasure? But I hope that people really heard what you were just talking about, that it's virtually impossible to masturbate without calling up sexual fantasies because that is very true. And I'd like to ask our audience, are we really willing to advocate a tolerant position on masturbation, knowing that this is going to encourage young people, or anyone for that matter, to engage in an action that will encourage them eventually to commit adultery in their hearts. That's really, really foolish. Um, Well, Anyway, you mentioned that masturbation violates several biblical principles, so let's do another one. One of those is that masturbation does not fulfill God's purpose for sex. 
Sex was designed by God and given to us for the purposes of procreation, expressing intimacy and love between a husband and a wife. Sexual intimacy is meant to bring about both the physical and spiritual oneness between a husband and a wife. Mm -hmm. And in fact, uh, you know, I would even suggest that sexual intercourse is perhaps the deepest possible expression of that intimate union that God intends for there to be between a husband and his wife. So let's ask ourselves, what is someone doing when they masturbate? Then, uh, it, it, Even if I make this personal, what am I doing when I masturbate, when I engage in this form of sex? I'm engaging in an act that's meant to foster greater intimacy, but that intimacy is now with myself. <laughs> and the intimacy and oneness of two becoming one flesh is occurring with myself. I'm becoming one with myself. You know, that's just a horrendous distortion of God's purposes for sex. Hmm. And so masturbation clearly does not fulfill any of God's purposes for sex. But it's worse than that because it actually interferes with God's purposes. Instead of fostering and expressing intimacy, masturbation tends to make us sexually independent. Uh, so a married man, for example, no longer looks exclusively to his wife for sexual pleasure. And, and by the way, I, I'll I tend to speak in terms of men here, but the same would be mm -hmm. true for women. You know, they're no longer looking to to their husbands. If if a woman is engaging in this, um, they become less willing to give what it takes to satisfy and be satisfied completely with their partner in marriage. And on the single side, it's similar. You know, that person who is single has one less reason to make the kind of commitment needed for a godly marriage because they're getting yeah. that fulfillment, that pleasure, that satisfaction with themselves. And they tend to prefer it after you develop a habit of that um, kind of thing. So a practice of masturbation will actually corrupt your ability to enjoy sex with your spouse. That's the truth mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. Man, this is all really good. Um, I'm really grateful for your careful thinking about this issue. Uh, so let's keep going. Another reason then, the last reason I would cite is that masturbation is selfish. The Bible tells us self-control is one of the fruits that arises from the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And masturbation flies in the face of that virtue of self-control. I often refer to the teaching that Jesus gives in Luke 9 where he said, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus there, Nate, is plainly telling us that we need to deny self. We cannot take the first step toward being a follower of Christ unless we learn to deny self. So we can't pursue our desires and pleasures and follow Jesus at the same time, in other words. And one of the ways that a person is called to deny himself is to resist that temptation to gratify ourselves with the pleasure of masturbation. So from my perspective, it's this issue of selfishness, really, that is the primary problem with masturbation. I, I could say it's the reason, biblically, that masturbation is inherently sinful. To close out this episode, I'd like to read a short portion from Pastor Steve Gallagher's book, At the Altar of Sexual Idolatry. He writes this, We will never have a pure heart as long as we equivocate about the sinfulness of lust and or masturbation. 
we must decide once and for all that both are wrong in God's eyes. If we are indecisive on this point, we will never have the courage to win the battle that lies before us. Our constant waffling will weaken any resolve to do the hard thing. Likewise, the one who is looking for the path of least resistance in life will also lack the determination to fight for a pure life. Purity and godliness do not mean enough to him to warrant the effort. When convicted over sinful thoughts and actions, he will find ways to excuse, blame shift, or otherwise justify continuing to live in his sin. On the other hand, the believer with a tender conscience is keenly aware of every infraction against the Lord. He recognizes sin for the ugly thing that it is. He is not looking to push the limits of sin to see how much he can get away with, but to avoid it altogether. To him, sin is a poison which must be eradicated at any cost. This man will be able to make the necessary commitment to find victory over sin. Close quote. So where are you today with this issue? Are you constantly waffling about masturbation? At times, you want to stop. At others, you want to justify it so that you can keep it. It's time to decide. It's time to decide that you're going to, once and for all, agree with God's heart on this issue, that it encourages us to lust, that it is a horrendous distortion of God's glorious gift of sexuality, and that it is totally selfish, and therefore, it is sin. If you're still struggling, I would just encourage you to take it before the Lord with a sincere heart, ask Him to help you to see it the way He does, and then relentlessly fight for a pure heart with complete faith that He's willing to help you overcome. That's it for today's episode. See you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.